Hey, I'm Brian. I'm the senior minister here at Harmony Christian Church, and thanks for clicking on our video and watching us today. If you'd like to find out more about us, you can go to harmonychurch.tv, and there you can read a little bit more about us. You can also go to harmonychurch.tv if you'd like to give and donate. There's a way to give a one-time gift or if you'd like to give recurring giving. Maybe you'd like to mail us a gift, and that'd be awesome if you'd like to do that. You can send that to 7100 South Choctaw Road, Choctaw, Oklahoma, 73020. Or maybe you just want to give us a call. And maybe you just want to connect during this time. It's, uh, you can give us a call at 405-391-7310. I hope that this video today is an encouragement to you and to your family. God bless you. And maybe we'll see you here at church uh, during the month of June. We'd love to see you sometime in person. I grew up in Georgia, which is noteworthy because my parents grew up in a small town in Pennsylvania, which means for me growing up in Georgia, I became bilingual. I could learn to talk Southern, and I could learn to talk Northern. So at home, I could say the word right, and then at school, I could say right. And then I also learned to say, hey, you guys, or I could say, how y'all doing? Or I could say, I want a Coke in Georgia, which meant I might really want a Dr. Pepper. Or up north, I could say, I want a pop, which might mean I want a Coke. So I got, a, I got kind of a flavor for how to speak a little bit of Northern, a little bit of Southern. I remember one time in college, we were at the Waffle House. It was about 2 in the morning. We were studying with a few friends. We were just kind of hanging out, and uh, I wanted a piece of pie. And so the waitress had come over, and I told her, I was like, hey, I'd really like a piece of pecan pie, please. And she looked at me. She kind of had a smile on her face. She kind of winked her eye at me. And she goes, okay. She's like, I'll get you a piece of pecan pie, you Yankee. And she walked off and got me herself like a little piece of pecan pie. And, you know, I sat there and got to eat it. And it was kind of some interesting, fun things like that that happened kind of growing up. But also growing up in Georgia, there were some things that happened that weren't quite so fun. I remember one time at the high school that I that I attended, not once, but twice, there was a bomb threat that was called in. The first time the bomb threat got called in, we all had to go outside, and we're standing out in the parking lot kind of waiting around, you know, what's going on, what's happening. It was weird and confusing. We weren't really sure what to do, but eventually we got the all clear. We were all allowed to go back to school and... It was kind of a confusing, weird day. And then uh, some kind of a period later, it wasn't very long after that, there was a second phone call. Another bomb threat came in, and we had to go back outside again. We were standing out in the parking lot, kind of waiting around, seeing what's going to happen. And both times, the first time and the second time, the local news media had showed up. And it was around about this time where like, there, there was this newfangled thing coming out that a lot of news media was using at the time. It was the, the helicopter and they could bring out their little helicopter to kind of hover over and video what was going on and what was happening down there. And at this second bomb threat, we were all standing around outside, and all of a sudden a black student and a white student got into a fight. And it made all the news. It was all the rage. And anyway, when the fight was kind of done and they called the all call, like, okay, you're okay to go back to class, I started, started walking back into the school, and a lot of my white friends came up to me and were like, hey, hey, you, you, you better get out of here because the rumor is, is that all the black students, like as, like as soon as school's out, man, it's going to be nothing but a big race fight. Like, you better get out of here. You better call your parents. You better go home. I didn't know what to do. Like, what? Like, I mean, I had some black friends. Like, they don't want to beat me up. Like, I know them. They know me. Why would we want to get in a fight? Like, what's the big deal, right? But a lot of my white friends were, were checking out leaving the school. There were a lot of black students that were checking out leaving the school. Uh, it was, you know, nothing ever happened. There was no fight. Uh, after school, but but here's the interesting thing, or the odd thing, I guess, is this, is that when I went to church that Sunday, all the church leaders that were there, nobody said anything. 
There was, from what I can remember, there was there was no prayer about what had happened in the community. There was there was no uh, message from the Bible about what had happened. Like it was almost like nothing happened. It was like nothing occurred today or this week that we need to bring up and talk about as as a, as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Like we don't need to say anything about this. Well, I bring all that up because there is something that's happening right now. There's there's protests. There's been some uh, violence that has been done. Uh, there's been the death of, of George Floyd and, and others. And there's been a lot of stuff that's been happening. And so I, I felt like as a church leader needed to say something. Uh, I needed to bring it up. And certainly what I have to say isn't the end-all, be-all, and it probably doesn't cover everything that needs to be said, but something needs to be said. And I felt like at least here from Harmony Christian Church, we needed to address the issue. So I'd like to start where a, a great place to start is, is all the way back in the book of Genesis. So all the way back in the book of Genesis, we're told that God is making everything, right? He made the earth, and he made dirt, and he made the sky, and he's making animals, and then he makes human beings. And we're told that when he makes humans, that humans were made in the image of God. So that means every human being, every person that you see, is made in the image of God. And there's a lot that goes into that, but but sort of at, at its base, sort of at its root, part of what that means to be made in the image of God is that it means every single human being has value and worth. No matter what the color of their skin might be, they have value and they have worth. Which means they need to be treated with respect. So when you're standing at the gas station putting some gas in your car and you're kind of looking around at who's there, all those people that you see deserve to be treated with respect. When you're driving through traffic and it's kind of a rush to try to get home, all the people that you see there in traffic, all of them deserve to be treated with respect. That doesn't always happen, we know. You know, People that look different than us, people that vote different than us, people that maybe speak a different language than us, people that maybe have a different faith than us, we often don't treat them in the image of God. We don't treat them with the respect that they deserve because they have infinite value and worth because they're made in the image of God. And every time we kind of joke about that, every time we belittle somebody because of their their color of skin or the differences between us and them, we belittle, we, we take away, we, we devalue them as something that's not made in the image of God. I can remember there was a joke that was kind of going around when I was a kid, when I was growing up. It was uh, at least common knowledge among a lot of the white folks that I knew. And, and the joke went something like this. Um, so in, in the city that I grew up in, the city vehicles were black and orange. And not a pretty orange, not a nice orange. I mean, it was like a kind of like burn-your-eye orange. It was kind of this horrible, gross orange. And the joke around town went something like this. Since most of the workers that worked for the city were black, the joke was, hey, do you know what's orange and black and sleeps eight? Well, it's a city vehicle. And people would laugh, like, oh, yeah, 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 they're just lazy, they're not doing anything, they're not doing this right, they're not doing that right. You know, all these things just aren't okay or whatever. But really, it was, it was some racist stuff. 
he was perpetuating the myth that black men are lazy, that black men don't want to do any work. And that devalues them. It takes away from them this, the value and the worth of what it means to be made in the image of God. You know, in, in my family, I don't have a story. I have zero stories about anybody in my family being denied the right to vote because of the color of their skin. In, in my family, I don't have any stories about anybody that got pulled over and was questioned by the police for just being white and just driving in a car. In my family, I don't have any stories about a cross being put in anybody's front yard and burned. I don't have that story. I don't have any kind of a story about being denied the ability to learn to read because of the color of my skin. I don't have any stories like that. And every time those things have been done, we devalued. We took away from what it meant to be made in the image of God. And so I can totally say black lives matter. And it doesn't take away from the value and worth that I have to be made in the image of God. I can say, of course, of course black lives matter. Because black lives and black people were made in the image of God. And I can totally say that. And not take away anything from anybody else. I don't have to defend the fact that, yeah, white lives matter too. Because of course they do. And so do black lives. Black lives matter as well. Just as much. The Apostle Paul writes an interesting letter in the... To the Philippians, it's uh, in, in Philippians chapter two, verses six and seven. This is what Paul writes. He says, "Who, being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness." So, so here Paul says that Jesus was God's son, and instead of sort of holding on to that title, instead of using that to his advantage, instead, he became a servant. He became a servant. So instead of using his privilege, he gave his privilege up in order to become a servant for all. So that is the posture, then, that Paul is telling us that we as Christians are to have. Christians are to operate with the assumption that we're privileged, that we have privilege, the question is whether or not we will give that privilege up in order to be a servant. Now, you can kind of use that in some ways, in some unhealthy ways, to further oppress people. But, but yet I would suggest, especially for white people, we can give that privilege up in order to be a servant for all. I mean, Jesus even brings this up in uh, Luke chapter 14. In Luke 14, Paul, uh, Jesus is there with the disciples, and he's telling them about, like, hey, what, this is what happens when you get invited to a dinner party. Well, when you get invited to a dinner party, you don't sit at the head of the table. You sit at the end of the table. And maybe the host might move you from the end of the table to the front, but you don't sit at the front. Instead, you take on the role of the servant, and you sit at the end of the table. Well, what does it look like for even to kind of, like, you know, give up one's advantage or give up one's privilege or 
sit at the end of the table? Like, what might that even look like? Well, I think for Christians, one of the, one of the advantages that we have is we have the ability because our Christian faith teaches us to be humble, to have some humility, which means one of the things is is we can readily admit I'm wrong. Like perhaps there's some information that I don't know. Like maybe I don't see everything that I need to see. Uh, maybe there's other stories out there that I need to hear. Like maybe my own experience is just my own and not what everybody else has experienced. So I can be humble enough to say I'm wrong. Maybe I don't have all the information. Maybe maybe I can expand my horizons a little bit. And I think another way that we could do this, that we could give up privilege, or that we could sit at the end of the table too, be a servant, is to learn to listen. Learn to listen and be the last one to speak. And that's so hard to do. It's so hard to do, especially in our culture, where all we want to do is react. As soon as we see a little bit of this, or we heard that, or this or that or the other, we just react. And the next thing you know, we're, we're texting, we're posting on social media, we're telling our friends this, that, and the other. And we haven't really even listened to find out what really was even said or what really is even going on. I'll put it this way. I have never met anybody who ever complained about somebody giving them a good listening to. Never met that person. And I think it's because so rarely do any of us ever feel like we got listened to. I mean, maybe your parents did this to you, or the adults that you grew up with, maybe they did this to you. Uh, maybe as a parent you've done this, like to your kids, and you heard some kind of a noise in the room, and you assumed you knew what it was, and so you barged in there, and you're like, what's going on? Like, what are you guys doing? You know, what, what's, what's the trouble? And there was no trouble at all. The kids were just in there playing and having a good time. You, you just heard one little thing, and you thought the worst of it. We didn't listen. We didn't listen. So I would applaud Mayor Holt for going down and just sitting and listening to the protesters that were here in Oklahoma City. I applaud him for just listening, just giving a good listening to to what people were saying. I mean, think about it. When was the last time you just sat and listened to somebody and spoke last? And not only that, when was the last time that you gave a good listening to somebody that you might just be different than you? When was the last time that happened? Jesus has got some other things to say, too. In, in Mark chapter 11, we have this uh, famous incident with Jesus at the temple. In Mark 11, verses 15 through 17, we get this. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts. And, be, and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And, and he taught them, he said, Is it not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations? But you have made it into a den of robbers. There's kind of a lot going on in this passage, but there's at least two things to point out. I think the first issue that Jesus wants to deal with is a racial issue. There is a systemic, system-wide racial issue, and that is this. The Jews have set up a system in which the Gentiles are not allowed into the temple. 
And Jesus says no to that. Like, no. The, the temple is to be a house of prayer for all nations. And so he, he calls no on that kind of a system. A system in which there is a racial system in which you're excluding people from coming into the temple. Jesus says no. Not going to happen. And then the other issue that he calls out is like a systemic issue of an oppression to the poor. Uh, you notice here that we're told that these, these money changers are selling doves. Well, you might remember Mary and Joseph, uh, when Jesus was little, uh, offered up a dove. Well, why a dove? Maybe why, like, why not a lamb? Well, because in the Old Testament law, there were some rules set up to uh, help those who were poor, to help those who didn't have enough money for, say, for buying a lamb, and you could offer up you could offer up a dove. And so the poor are the ones that are being sold this merchandise. And the temple was kind of complicit in all this. The temple wasn't just a place for worship in Jesus' day. If you wanted to get like a land deal done and some business deals done, the temple was the place to go because it had all the records. It had all the information. If you wanted to know who bought this piece of land and who owned this or who owed money, whatever, the temple was the one that had that information. So by extension, these money changers are a part of the corrupt system that the temple has sort of given their stamp of approval to. And Jesus says no to all of that. Just, just no. No. It's interesting here that Jesus doesn't gather these uh, money changers up and teach. Like, like normally that's what he's done. Normally in other situations, Jesus, has, Jesus will gather people up and he says, okay, let me teach you a story. Let me tell you a parable. And, but he doesn't do that here. He doesn't say, hey, okay, I'm, you know, I'm a rabbi here today. Everybody gather up and I've got a story to tell you today. That's not what he does. Instead, Jesus just says no to it all. I think maybe what Jesus is signaling here is something along the lines of this. There are some issues that you just don't need another lesson about. There are some issues you just don't need another sermon about. There are some issues that are bad enough that trying to reform them just isn't going to work. That the only way to deal with the issue is to just uproot the whole thing and start all over. And that seems to be what Jesus is signaling. That seems to be what he's saying. Sometimes you just take the whole thing apart and start all over again. And if you're thinking, you know, if you have the same maybe skin color I have and you're hearing, you know, systemic racial issues and systemic issues of oppression of the poor, we, we might kind of roll our eyes at that a little bit. But if you're going to do that, then just know, do you even believe in systems at all? Like, systems happen all the time. Our body operates through a, a system of connected organs to, to make our body function. Your, your car operates via a system. At work, you use systems at work in order to make the, your job work through having a system. Your family has a system. Everybody in that family plays a certain kind of role in that family for that family system to operate correctly. There are systems everywhere, and all it takes is just two people that come together and establish, here are the rules, and you've got a system. So to say that there's no such thing as systemic issues is to say, well, I guess you just don't believe in systems because they're there. And it doesn't take much 
to make a system racist and oppressive. And Jesus looks at that system that he sees, and he says, no. He says, no. I'm not really sure. Obviously, I don't have like all the answers to all of this. But I, but I think at least in part, at least a start, is to start with by saying, let's stop denying that racism doesn't exist, because it does. And maybe we could stop denying that oppression of people doesn't exist, because it does. And maybe that can start a conversation and some listening about what's been going on in the lives of other people that haven't had the experience that we've had. So how can we even do that? I think, I think one place we could start is we can look to Jesus and say, how is it in my life that I might take on the role of a servant for those people that are around me? What does that look like? What does that look like for people, obviously in your family, but how about outside of that and in the community and around? Like, how might we be servants for all people? How might, how might we use our voice in ways to call out the racist and the oppressive things that we see? How, how might we do that? How might we be a servant? And how might we, like Jesus, call out those things that we see? Maybe perhaps one place that we could all start is just by praying a prayer. By saying a prayer of something along the lines of, Heavenly Father, could you please help me to do things here on earth as they are in heaven? I'd like to do things down here by your will. And, and what, what would that look like? Maybe, maybe a prayer along those lines. Maybe that's a great place to start so that we might see the value of the people that are around us that are all made in the image of God that have such value and worth that deserve to be treated like they have value and worth. May God bless you. Hey, what was the time on that? Okay. Wasn't too bad.